Working in the mines is a dangerous job. And during World War II, the Chinese men found their shared mine taken over by the Japanese army. The laborers being forced to work in horrendous conditions, long hours, and being beaten when they did not comply was not the worst thing that these men had coming. But it would be an explosion that would not have had such a high death toll if proper evacuation measures would have been taken. Hey guys, and welcome to my podcast. I'm your host, Lulu, and welcome back. It's great to see everybody again. I know last Friday's upload was a little lighter because it was heavy. You know, we've been doing a heavier case. This one is not really lighter. I thought about doing another lighter one, but I decided that I really wanted to talk about this one. Um, this is our first historical horror episode. So this will be something that actually did happen. It is a history case, you know, not something that I would necessarily classify as like a true crime thing, but something that I definitely think is still important to talk about. This episode will be about the Honkiko disaster. Hopefully it hasn't been too heavy of a month for you. I know we did a lot of heavy stuff this month. Obviously there's still some more heavy coming because we have not finished talking about the Ken and Barbie killers. Um, but I know it's supposed to be, you know, a love month and all that. And I hope I didn't put a damper on that. I enjoyed all these episodes. They were so fun to research and talk about. So if I did, I apologize. But you know, I know heavy months are going to happen. I mean, we talk about some heavy stuff on here. So anyways, let's jump into the Honkeiko disaster. As you probably heard from the beginning, the Japanese army invaded a lot of areas in China during the 1930s. While these wars were happening, the Japanese that would invade these Chinese areas would make the Chinese laborers work in the mines. Mining conditions already today are scary, but back in the 1930s, they were a lot worse especially when it wasn't their people that were mining, they did not necessarily care all that much about how these men, these laborers were working, the conditions they were working in. One of these mines that the Japanese, you know, were overseeing was the colliery. This was located in a very ore-rich region and these Chinese men would be mining up a lot of coal and iron. As you probably heard at the beginning, this mine was actually jointly run by both Japan and China. That was until the war started and then Japan took over a lot of these areas. Once taken over, not all of these laborers were just Chinese. Some of these men were actually men that would have been captured by the Japanese army and they would put them to work in the mines. The ore that these men would be pulling up would be used in this war. Now let's talk about how these working conditions were. 
Nowadays, at least if you go and look into it, there's a lot of safety precautions taken. You know, we have a lot of work restrictions that you have to follow, like lunches and breaks and those kind of things. But around this time, these men did not have that luxury. They would have to work in very, very tattered clothing that would not be replaced. This also included their shoes. The Japanese men that oversaw these mines would give out shoes to the miners, but they did not last long because obviously these miners already worked long hours. But now that they were being overseen by somebody else, they had to work even longer hours. So these shoes would start to fall apart and they would wear holes in them. I mean, the shifts that they would work would be 12 or more hours a day. I could not imagine working that long, especially doing a job like mining. That has got to be so hard. On top of that, there was very, very little food to go around. So the miners did not really get fed enough. And because they could not leave, especially because they were being held, you know, by the Japanese army at the time, any sickness or disease that anybody would get or be brought in would spread amongst the workers very, very quickly. They would often get very sick at the same time. A lot of this sickness did come from the fact that they lacked water and had very, very poor sanitation because they could not really leave the mine to clean themselves up or anything like that. There are rumors that the Japanese men that ran these mines were very abusive towards the Chinese workers. They would threaten these workers, they were mean to them, they would come along with some harsh discipline, like using pick handles to force workers into their shafts. There was also rumors that these Japanese men that ran these mines would also severely beat the miners that did not want to work or that were too weak to work, whether that was from being overworked or sickness. Like I said, these are rumors, though. They are not 100% proven facts. Um, this is an older case, and so that does happen in older cases, so I do want you to keep that in mind. So overall, these men were not treated very well. They were not in very good work conditions at all. On top of that, they worked very, very long hours, and it was just all around a not great time. Things, however, would get even worse on April 26th, 1942. This would be when a miner's worst fear would come true, and an explosion happened. When the air, especially in mines, becomes saturated with very fine particles as the miners mine things away, if it is exposed to any sort of heat or flame, like a lantern or a spark, it can ignite the air, especially when that air that's floating around is coated in coal dust and different gases. And this was unfortunately the recipe that these men fell to. There was coal dust throughout the mines as the men were mining away coal, and it had mixed with the gas that was surrounding the mine. It only took one 
simple flame to start this deadly explosion. This mine was full of workers, which meant that there was a lot of men down here who were surrounded with the coal-coated air. And when the fire was ignited, it would begin to quickly spread through the air and it would ignite all of the coal-covered air that was circulating throughout these mines. Because, obviously, it's air filled in this mine, the air that the explosion was using to travel was not only surrounding the men, but it was also surrounding the structures around it. And it would begin to damage structures that were holding the mine up. Almost immediately after this explosion started, fire began to explode out of one of the entrances in the mine and the Japanese operators saw this. They became aware of what had happened and they had to make a split decision. Now, I'm not gonna come at anybody. I know this was super old. All of these people are pretty much gone now. But sometimes split decisions are life and death and you can pick the wrong side of things. Because they decided that they were going to seal off this explosion. This also consisted of sealing any of the miners who were around the explosion and still alive in. They decided to do this so that they could attempt to save the mine, at least some of the mine, and they could attempt to save some of the lives of the men around. Because in their opinion, if they left it open and that kept exploding and spreading through the coal-coated air, they risked taking the whole mine down and killing everybody on the crew. So they sealed it. And they let the explosion happen. And they left it. Till they knew they were good. Once they knew the explosion was over, they decided to get a death toll of the miners who were in the mine that day. One third of the mining crew would be sealed in with that explosion. And once they began to remove the rocks from the sealed off area and take a good look at what had happened and these people that were in there and pull them out, they also realized that most of the miners that were killed were not killed from the explosion or the fire and that they were trying to get out what killed them was the fact that the Japanese men also decided to close off the ventilation system in order to try and prevent the fire from spreading through the ventilation system. This would allow carbon monoxide to fill up the chambers with the alive people who were sealed in after the explosion, and they essentially suffocated. It took 10 days to clean out the mine of their friends and fellow workers. They also had to pull out all the rubble and the broken parts from the shaft so that they could attempt to save anything. In 10 days, these men did not only clear out the rubble, but they also pulled out 1,549 of their dead friends' bodies from the chambers. Some of the men that died in this explosion were unrecognizable. 
they were too close to the fire and they did die from the explosion. But a lot of these men looked like the men that smiled at them the day before the accident. Because there were so many bodies, they ended up just carrying them to one big mass grave and burying them all together. The friends and family who knew their loved ones were working in that mine and had briefly heard about what had happened rushed to the scene in these next 10 days, screaming for their loved ones and trying to find out who died in the fire and hoping it wasn't somebody that they knew. The guards had to push people back from the entrance and they finally put up an electrical fence around the mine to keep these panicked families away. Once they pretty much cleared it out, got the death toll number and everything, they decided that they didn't want to come out and just tell everybody what happened to these miners. Some of that is because they did not want to have to take any better safety measures and they did not want anybody to come after them for the decision that they had made. So they withheld the information from the public. What they did tell the public was not at all what happened. They informed them that there was a small accident and there was as little as 34 miners who died in a very minor explosion. But once the war was over, the Japanese would decide to put up a monument to give respect to all of the miners that lost their lives that day. And this is how we now to this day have the real number of how many people died in that explosion. After the Japanese men that ran this mine lost a third of their workers, they did decide that they were going to add some new safety measures. Not a ton, but at least they added a little bit. These safety measures were a couple of huge fans that would run throughout the mines. These fans would blow some of the coal-covered air out, bring some you know, new air in. They would circulate around these mines to attempt to not only get some fresh air in there and get some of that coal dust out, but also help distribute the air from the areas that were very heavily coated in toxic gases in the hopes that it would dilute some of the more dangerous air to a much safer level so that the chances of an explosion were a lot smaller and so that it possibly wouldn't spread as fast as it did before. They would also add drainage holes and a water spraying system. On top of that, they did put some monitors throughout the mine to check the dust and gas levels in the air. This was to make sure that these areas were maintained and that they were brought down to a more safe level. Those drainage holes that I mentioned earlier were really only there in case they had to use the sprayers to put out any fires or anything like that. Now these sprayers weren't just to help put out any small fires, they would also be used to cool the air so that the air wouldn't risk getting hot enough to light something on fire. And it actually would help push the toxic gases that were surrounding the air down by making them heavier. This was also to help, you know, with the explosions so that it wouldn't happen again. The Honkeiko disaster would be one of the worst mining disasters because of how many men that it took. And if you think about it, if they would have just left that door open, 
A ton of these men, almost all of them, would have been able to walk away that day. But they made a split decision that unfortunately ended in the worst way possible. It ended with 1,549 men dying in an explosion that probably would have only killed a couple. 31 of these men were Japanese men and the rest were all of the Chinese miners. As you can tell by what they ended up adding after the explosion, they had the proper tools to update these mines and make them a lot safer of a place. They were able to add all of these things immediately after the explosion happened, and it's not like these things would have just came out of nowhere. They chose not to add these things, probably because they were more expensive and they did take time to add but if they would have just added these things, a third of their men would not have died that day. I understand the thinking that these men had and that split decision that they had. And it really does make sense if you think about it, that they did not want this fire to spread farther, to kill more people. And they just assumed that everybody that was already in there was dead. I get that. It's got to be a hard and stressful decision to make that I hope none of us have to make. But it's so sad how many of these men could have been saved if they would have decided to not seal the tunnel off or even just to keep the ventilation system open. Not only would 1,549 men still have been alive to live their life, they would not have had to ruin the lives of all the miners who had to carry their friends out of the mine. And that decision would be one that the Japanese men would have to live by the rest of their life. Because yes, it might have been during wartime, but I guarantee you, they did not want to be responsible for over 1,500 of their miners dying because of a bad decision that they made. This podcast may contain false or misleading information. If you are interested in knowing more about any stories shared on this podcast, I highly recommend doing your own research. All listeners are advised that these are stories and folktales. The information shared must be taken carefully and skeptically, because you never know what could be real and what's just a story. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.